Hello, my name is Israel. I've been involved in hip-hop since the 1980s as an artist, producer, radio show host, journalist, documentarian, magazine editor, hip-hop advocate, and pundit. Over the years, I've interviewed hundreds of interesting people in music, media, and more. Welcome to Sounds from the Underground, the podcast from Insomniac Magazine, where we learn from both those who reside below the surface and those who've breached it. Welcome, destroy of the legendary arsonist crew. Thanks so much for joining us on Insomniac Magazine and Insomniac Magazine's podcast, man. Thank you, Fian. I greatly appreciate it and much success to all the individuals behind this and that support this movement. Appreciate that, man. It's been uh, 20, 23 years now. Amazing, especially <laughs> in, this, in this wonderful uh, industry. Indeed, man. And uh, obviously, you've been in the game for a long time, too. So I love to, if you don't mind, I like to start kind of at the beginning. If you could talk to me a little bit about how the arsonist first started uh, recording music professionally with a label. Was it with Fondalum? Fondalum was our first opportunity. So to give you a, a bit of a backstory, me and Tony Touch, who's a DJ out in New York City, of course, were he he worked at a record store, and I walked in as a customer. I seen him scratching. He said, "You got an MC name?" And I was like, "No." I said, "But I got rhymes." He was like, "Come tomorrow with an MC name and your rhymes." So I thought of nice and smooth, kid and play, touch mm-hmm. and destroy. That's how I got the destroy. From that, you know, we was looking at all these groups and crews and stuff, and it was like. Man, we got to have a crew, bro. And I had a whole bunch of homies uh, from, from the Bushwick area, and but it was to a level of guys who were just hanging out with us kind of like on a knucklehead and getting right. into their, you know, natural neighborhood problems. So I just did away with all the guys who weren't about the, the hip-hop culture and just said, let's focus on making music. If you rap, if you DJ, if you do anything in the arts, then you stay with the arsonists. Aside from that, we're good. And then, you know, we, we were recording songs at a great pace. And one of the songs became a demo. One of the demos was played. Tony Touch gave it to Bobito and Stretch Armstrong and Bobito. Right. Who would play it on their radio show. And... Ego Trip magazine, uh, actually, it was another magazine that Bobito had worked for. He gave it the Butter Award of the Year, meaning it was the best demo of the year. From that uh, support and love that he showed us, he asked me to go out to dinner with him in Q Unique, Mm -hmm. where he was like, yo, I'll put your record out, you know. You know, the love is already there. The fans are already asking if it's available, and that was the first time that that you know he was anybody was like ready to take it that next step with the arsonist and we were excited nice man and i know i used to play your records back in the day on the red host of the radio show here uh for about 10 years so i definitely used to play you guys after um I, i'm not sure if i got the fondalum record but i know for sure once you got signed to matador we were uh-huh. playing we were playing your records so the the fondalum situation was what year 
Fondalum's situation was 96. And that's about the time that Insomniac Magazine launched the first issue of the magazine. Because I know we've had the arsonists in the magazine in the past. So Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure because it's, it's, it's very familiar and I have pretty much a lot of stuff saved. So I'm almost the, sure. You're right. Bobito's label was, in many ways was kind of like a starting, kind of like a breeding ground for a lot of raw talent. And, um, you know, I know that they did amazing things, but they didn't have the biggest resources. So your next step... How you guys end up on Matador, especially considering it was it wasn't a hip hop label? Well, the great thing was that the singles that we did, we did two with Fondalum and one with MC Search's Searchlight. Right. And those three singles did well. They were well received. And based off those singles, to let you know, uh, of course, it's a different time, different era. But we were able to go on tour with just 12 inch singles. Mm-hmm. So we were just gaining this reputation for having a great live show. That's where Matador stepped in and they were like, they like kind of old school. Like they bought the record at Fat Beats. They read the phone number. They mm-hmm. called the phone number. And that was our meeting with, with Matador. And they we were attracted to it because they came to us, which is, you know, also rare. Right. And um, it wasn't a hip hop label. It wasn't it wasn't um, raucous. It wasn't Def Jam. It wasn't anything like that. And, you know, my mind started thinking about like all the other avenues that it could go into that our, you know, quote unquote, um, markets for hip hop, urban markets could touch. Mm-hmm. And um, they went through their traditional routes, which which was which was really dope. So that's how it happened. They contacted us. We sat down. Their, their energy was very, very alternative. And I don't only mean like that was the music they were putting out because they were putting out that music, but they were very supportive of hardworking artists. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who who toured. And right. that was one of their, their main um, attractions to us. You had these labels that were known for hip hop, clearly Def Jam, uh, not to mention all the labels pretty much had their hand at that point in hip hop. Uh, but Matador was, if I'm not mistaken, they were an independent label, right? They they were they found success uh, with some groups, meaning that there was some of those alternative rock groups that were selling well. Right. And um, you got to also remember, this is the moment when Loud Records kind of sees uh, Tommy Boy as well, creates the Black Label, uh, Penalty Records, yep. Stimulated Records. Mm-hmm. This The whole underground independent scene um, was becoming, you know, popular. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of these labels were creating subsidiaries to kind of reach into this kind of fat beats market, you Indeed. know what I mean? Around hip hop scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were, we were, you know, catalysts. We were in the front, you know, with company flow, mm-hmm. with um, nonfiction and uh, groups like that. So as far as like when Ruckus was doing it, we we were we were happy that the scene was was bubbling because mm-hmm. had magazines like insomniac magazine that was existing in this era you had sway and tech you had uh stretch and bob mm-hmm. you had so many platforms that our our sound and our type of uh you know passion could could live could exist mm-hmm. and uh you know we were we were fortunate that that those places embraced us 
Um, and actually the whole, the whole culture, you know, it wasn't, it, it was a whole different type of thing because if you looked at it, you was like, man, you mean we could press our own stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, that's when people started like, wow, we can actually do this. And, and people were actually doing it, you know? So Matador was, bro, I got to tell you, man, there was no hip hop up there. You know, we mm-hmm. were the first guy up there. The mentality, our mentality was very different from the mentality there. Um, I was, I was always a winner. So I would, in, in the sense of like, I didn't, I didn't make things um, difficult or try to make it work in the hip hop way. Mm-hmm. If that made any sense, you know, I wasn't bully, bully type stuff. I was right. more like, let's work with them. Right. You know, their, their strengths is this, then let's work with their strengths. If they're not going to reach the hood because they're an alternative rock label. That is okay. Mm-hmm. They're just going to reach a whole other audience. And that's fine. As long as we do what we do and we support them and, and you know, we'll be all right. Indeed. And what's interesting about that, and you tell me, it seems like it worked in your favor, the fact that you didn't have competition coming from other artists that were in the same space as you at the label. So I'm assuming that when it came for opportunities in that genre, you didn't really have to kind of struggle with other artists to get that spotlight. Is that right? That That is correct. But there was there is a thing where you're looking at yourself like, OK, I am a part of a label. So you start looking at. Yeah, you can look at yourself as, you know, the arsonist and this group is that group. But we all kind of want to create, uh, you know, some true. We, we don't want to be in the red, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's and it's something that, you, you know, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm not thinking like that when I was younger, mm-hmm. you know, but we knew that. We wanted to be successful in the in the true art form um, of the culture and be true on stage and true with the fans. As far as like business dealings and you know paying uh, certain people to get on the project so it could bring attention to us so mm-hmm. that it could be more more uh, wide reach more of a wide audience. Now we wasn't thinking like that, but it was a thing like you just want to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, we just wanted to be. Uh, we knew it was a new a new endeavor for Matador Records, mm-hmm. and we wanted it to succeed. We 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 knew they were investing in us, so mm-hmm. because it wasn't only it wasn't only us. We knew they were investing in our culture. Right, right. And I like that. I like that you said that, and that's something you know that I always got at least from the outside a vibe when it came to the arsonists. I've been in. I've been uh, involved in hip hop since uh, <laughs> since the '80s, so you know yeah. I've I've kind of seen the evolution, and in some ways I always say the devolution of hip hop. You know, I've mm-hmm. seen how it's kind of devolved, and the one thing about the arsonists that I've always I don't know I've taken notice is that when you guys came to the to the table, it was really about celebrating the culture. It wasn't you know flexing your street. Um, kind of credentials. It was more about, you know, repping what we know as to be the hip hop culture, the DJing, the emceeing, the lyricism, and, uh, and, and, and obviously the visuals as opposed to just kind of like, you know, saying that you're repping the streets, if you will. Am I right in kind of taking that away from, from the group's brand, if you will? Yeah, we were definitely students of the culture. Me, me, you know, my, my, my brother was a DJ. My 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 everybody in my family did something with music. Uh, Q Unique was 
you know, bouncing from the Bronx to Brooklyn. He was doing Zulu Nation. Uh, then, you know, my early years with Tony Touch, we started going to Zulu battle, Zulu uh, meetings, Rocksteady crew, um, hanging out with Crazy Legs. He became a friend. So, you know, it went from me having a fork in the road where the guy who I grew up with, who was a very violent person, um, you know, he, he said, yo, we're going to go run and, and, and jump these dudes. And I was like, why don't you come with me? We got two shows in one day. Mm-hmm. And he was like, nah, why don't you go do what you do? And I'm going to hold it down. And he held it down. And so did I. Mm-hmm. And that was the fork in the road because that was also the early years where you start looking at this whole thing as a culture and mm-hmm. you start you start realizing it's a it's a vibe like there's there's love there's passion there's commitment there's b-boys who were getting hurt because they were dancing there's DJs who were spending money for the vinyls you have right behind you right mm-hmm. now you know what mm-hmm. I mean that is an investment and we respected that investment because we were uh, you know, fans of the culture. So it was important to us to, you know, speak that gospel that inspired mm-hmm. us to, mm-hmm. you know, for me specifically to pick the road of going to do my shows. I would imagine because of what you described, not only with your, your with the arsonist kind of brand, if you will, but also with the label being a rock label and rock, you know, really embracing, at least historically, especially independent rock labels, embracing the art that in many ways, I would imagine also helped you kind of bring that vibe outside of of the city and into other places that maybe normally wouldn't get to experience the culture side of it, the lyricism side of it, maybe even places like uh, like Europe. So uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, man. Arsonists were the benefactors of some great touring opportunities. We spent about three years on the road. We'll probably come home every six months to spend a weekend here and then step back to to going on the road. And when I say on the road, a lot of it was in Europe. Um, you know, we were, we also felt, and I say specifically, um, the arsonists, we were really, uh, we cared. So being, a kind of like a spokesperson for the culture, we didn't mind because our, I knew that our heart was in the right place so that if a person was not really sure about our culture or not really sure about our music, I felt that we were a positive, uh, representation of that. And we also, we were knowledgeable. We knew what we were talking about. So, you know, if we, you know, you talked about your, your type of genre music that you love, you know, we were open to that. Mm-hmm. So we, we were, we were very fortunate because you're also not only talking about genres of music when you start traveling, it's totally different cultures. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we were, we were, you know, there was, there was some times where we did, um, what was it? We were doing, uh, you know, you do festivals, which mm-hmm. has pretty much all types of music. Then we had uh, showcases with M- Matador. So Matador would do a showcase with all their band, all their groups that they're that they're that are signed to the label, and we'll be the one hip hop group. Mm-hmm. And it was good. You know, we didn't mind because we we were 
we were comfortable in our own skin. Like mm-hmm. to this day, I, I smile in pictures. You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I try to, you know, try, try to try to stay. You know, not being the caricature of what I think our culture is. I like that. I like that you described as a as a caricature, and and it's interesting because you you know you talked about in many ways kind of being a for lack of a better word, a spokesperson, a representative for the culture. And, and, and from my perspective, it seems like the, the latter 90s started to become that fork in the road for hip hop, where you had this, this culture that kind of started back in the early days, initially in the Bronx, you know, in the, in the 70s and then 80s, the golden era. And then 90s, clearly a lot of quality hip hop, a lot of icons came out of that era. But it seemed like there was also that fork that you described where, you know, one side kind of went to represent the streets, the money, the fame, the glory, the glitz, the glamour. And then there was this other side, which you described as independent. And that's that's a space that I know very well that's still repped for the culture. What are your thoughts on that? You know, it's 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 very tough. You know, you you you're gonna get you're gonna get beat up, man. You're gonna get beat up for 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 mm-hmm. loving a culture that is not quote unquote bringing in the 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 revenue. It's mm-hmm. not bringing in the dollars like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were when we released our debut album as the world burns, it was the same time. Uh, Puff Daddy released his his uh, first album mm-hmm. the same day. Wow. So we would do radio, we would do whatever appearances that we did, mm-hmm. and people would look at us as the other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So what are you guys doing in this Puff Daddy world? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's So that's what we represented. It was very, we didn't, like me personally, like I'm, I'm a, I, I started dancing, I started DJing. So mm-hmm. that means I wasn't. I, I, you know, like yourself, where you're coming up from a certain time. I mean, even if, even if, you know, fifty is fifty cents. One of the one, one of the the realest, hardest cats. Mm-hmm. I know. Growing up, he heard a George Michael record. Mm-hmm. I know he heard a a, a record that wasn't particularly uh, street, mm-hmm. but it was just the vernacular of the neighborhood of what music was played. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so that's how I was. I listened mm-hmm. to everything. Mm-hmm. So even into the nineties, I still was listening to everything because I was a, I was a, a club head. Like I always went to clubs. So if it made people dance, I was into it, mm-hmm. you know, cause it, I was a dancer naturally. I was, I was, I was, I was a B-boy doing, doing what I do. Mm-hmm. But, and then the division started. Um, and I think it became more popularized. Of course, when Puff Daddy came into this business mm-hmm. around, you know, in the in that mid nineties, mm-hmm. where things started getting interesting, and there was a division. There was what we used to say was that jiggy shit, mm-hmm. and then it was that boom bap shit, mm-hmm. and um, you know, that was that's that fork in the road. What side do you pick? Uh, Mike Geronimo's first album, where he's being, you know, hip, you know, quote unquote hip hop, to the second one where Puff Daddy handles his album, mm-hmm. or 
you know, Step Into the World, uh, a great song by KRS-One mm-hmm. that is, you know, a very great soundtrack for our, our sound. Mm-hmm. And then the, the it was remixed by Puffy on, on, on a B-side. It was like we were trying hard as a culture to figure out where we, everybody, like figure out what it was. But mm-hmm. that's when the divisions started. You know, that's, you know, rich, uh, rich, poor, because you know the whole Queens um, mm-hmm. era happened with Mob Deep and, and Nas and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and, and the conversation changed mm-hmm. uh, to how how real you were, and um, we were we knew that we weren't that. We knew that we weren't that. I I I know I'm I know where I'm from, and um, you know it wasn't perfect, mm-hmm. but I knew I I knew that's not why I fell in love with hip hop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I knew that's not why I, why I fell in love with hip hop. I mean, you know, dudes were bad. You know, we we, we did our thing. You know what I mean? I, I'm not I'm not I'm not uh, some things I don't like to talk about because I just mm-hmm. feel that, um, you know, I'm I'm not an advocate for for the ills mm-hmm. of society. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm 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 I feel I'm a I'm a speaker of our culture, hip hop. The reason why you know. People got together in the '70s. They were they were brought together by our music, and that's what I wanted to continue doing with the '90s. Mm. You know, it's it's a it, it, it was a game, a game that the arsonists did not have a. We didn't have a Dame Dash. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a Puffy. We didn't have a a Birdman. We didn't have like a business person that can say, "All right, fellas." Keep doing this. Stop doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, or or whatever, or do this more, or whatever. So we knew that it was really just us, and we just had to go out there with our hearts. And every time we had a show, we gave it our all. Indeed, and 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 obviously, you know, going overseas and playing out there. One common thread that I that I always get from artists of pretty much every caliber uh, when it comes to what I consider to be authentic. Hip hop is that the appreciation for the culture as a whole, not necessarily just music, is 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 much more prominent out there than you find even even where it was born. It, have, did you find that to be the case? One thousand percent. We were the arsonists was were out there, and our tours out there were sponsored by big companies. We were featured on records on major labels over there. We were on television shows on, on, on big networks in Europe, um, publications. We were, you know, we were fortunate, uh, that that scene existed. And a lot of people were fortunate that, that, that scene existed. And, um, you know, if I could tell you right now, there is a, one of the biggest B-boy events called battle of the year. I'm the host of it. And it's, Thousands of people, uh, probably close to, uh, you know, uh, probably a good ten thousand people in a in in a in a nice arena. And this year is going to be bigger because it's going to France. Um, there just to see b boying, no performers. I am mm-hmm. the closest thing to a performer, and you know, I host events, so I'm not rapping. I'm hosting. Mm-hmm. So and they they come out. They come out. Children on their their parents' shoulders. Mm-hmm. Like right now, that's, you know, and that happens now. And, mm-hmm. 
you know, it's it's very is 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 very interesting because some people did over overstay their welcome. Some artists did, mm-hmm. where they where they you know were like, wow, it's I feel famous here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they stood, they they overstood their welcome. You know, they 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 did what they did, and that kind of um, you know imploded in itself. Where that whole independent '90s scene. You know, there's some there's there's a couple of kids that were born from from artists going over there and feeling like superstars. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a drug if you don't know how to manage yourself. And me, I went to, I would go over there for three months, feel like the man. Oh my God, I'm I'm, I'm so famous. And then mm-hmm. I'll go and I'll sit right in the corner of a pizzeria where. Mm-hmm. Where you know the people didn't care who the hell I was, mm-hmm. and that would put me back in place. And then I'll go again and know that it was all a, a perception, you mm-hmm. know. And I, I was part of that. So, mm-hmm. but yes, I have to tell you that the culture for hip hop was, is, um, and I hope always will be uh, as as special to the people out there. I mean, there's there's some people who are over it because. Of, you know, things I've said where some artists have over, you know, like we're promoters. But yeah, man, you, you, man, the first time the arsonist performed in Europe was in Denmark. It was in front of 50,000 people. Wow. And we were, we were the opening act for Black Sabbath. Wow. In work. <laughs> we're going to stop that for a moment, man. You, you opened up for Black Sabbath and Kraftwerk. Yeah. Wow. Now that, that is phenomenal. <laughs> yes. Wow. Now that is really impressive. So what do you think it is? I mean, you know, where you have these young kids that really have no business even understanding what authentic hip hop is, and they aren't from a country that gave birth to it, yet they have more passion and understanding for that culture than the place that it came from and from an environment that probably should be celebrating it because it's their thing. What do you think about that? Why is that? Well, the thing is, is that they watched it from a safe place. They seen it on TV. Mm-hmm. When they seen that someone who was from it, you, you mean he's going to be here in Berlin? Mm-hmm. What? And flyers would say Wu-Tang in parentheses, USA. You know what I mean? Or NYC. That was important to them because they need, you know, the the the, the people in the crowd or the people who knew the event was going to happen was like, wait, you mean I'm going to see like a real person from New York from like everything I've seen in the movies or in music videos? Like they're going to come here? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and there, there was a there was a true attraction to that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you you. It's 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 dangerous, man. You know, in their heads, they don't know the real stories. They don't know that, you know, some of those guys and females may come back here and have their their you know real life issues. Mm-hmm. But that was also the draw that it was, man. This guy's like he knows people in jail. Mm-hmm. This guy mm-hmm. probably was raised with a murderer. Like I don't know. I don't know what mm-hmm. their perception is, mm-hmm. but I know that they also hopefully were inspired by very positive films and, and culture uh, like Beat Street. I know I'm going too far back because we don't have a lot point of reference in the 90s that mm-hmm. represent our culture really well. Um, but there is that that attraction. And we step then what it was, they see us mm-hmm. and then we leave. Right. 
And then they don't see us for a couple of weeks, couple of months, and then another artist goes there, and they're like, yes! Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it becomes a thing where you're like, I want that feeling again. I want somebody to talk to me like the way they talk on rap records mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. in in France, in you know Belgium. You know, I want to hear somebody talk that talk that 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 I'm impressed by. You know, and that's that's you you want that authenticity. So they were chasing that, and then it became a time. Uh, where those art, those fans became artists themselves, mm -hmm. and then they became self-sufficient because uh, you know Def Jam opened up a label in Germany, and they were they were doing well. Elektra, um, all these record labels were like, wait, hold on. And then you would see that these artists, like from France uh, as well, would sell very well. They'll mm -hmm. do very good, mm -hmm. and then it would become like they're like. Uh, the last time I went, they were like, you know, American hip hop, only 7% of American hip hop is played on French radio. That's what they're telling me. Mm -hmm. And he said, the 7% isn't even like the, the hip hop, you know, that, that you guys make. It's more like the very commercial version of it because, you know, that's who we're servicing. We're trying to play that game, too. Mm -hmm. So they, they started learning. They started learning. They started realizing that they can make their own stars, which is great. And um, but you still get those people who are, you know, very passionate. And I love it, bro. I love it. And I'm I, I love that. The thought of it. I love that. I know that what me and you loved in the mm -hmm. 80s, mm -hmm. somebody is waiting for like the roots to go and play out there again you know what i mean to go see them or you know th that's what i love i agree with what you what you said i think there still has to be more to it than just the allure or the fantasy of seeing street culture because so much of what a lot of folks over there appreciate is you know the culture you mentioned this amazing 10,000 attendance breakdancing uh, event which is you know far from anything crime related so you know mm. I, I think there's there's still there's, there's there's something about it i haven't quite figured it out i don't know who has the answer but there's something about the authentic culture of hip-hop that is appealing to to this to this mostly course, foreign bro. audience look at, look at, yeah look at the way everything was created you yeah. know the, why was ice tea the shit you right. know what i mean right, why right. was why was, uh, you know, PSK so legendary, uh, mm -hmm. Ghetto Boys, uh, you know, NWA, because it was so dangerous. And these were the these were the that's the beginning for those locations that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. You know, if you ever talk about Melly Mel, you're going to refer to the message, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is talking about that. That Indeed. was one of the biggest ones. Of course, Rapper's Delight was was getting the the people going, but when the message came out, it said mm -hmm. a story. That's mm -hmm. why BDP Public Enemy. Mm -hmm. It was very conscious, and mm -hmm. you know, not everybody lived like that. Mm -hmm. So, and in Europe, they didn't live like that either. You know, they 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 have. I'm sure they had their plights, mm -hmm. but when they see it in the form of art, in music, and hip hop, and right. they're like, wait, hold on, this guy's mad, and you know what? I think they opened me up to some shit I didn't know about. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's there's definitely a philosophy and uh, behind our music. No question. Uh, you know, for 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 the good ones, for the good ones. Indeed, indeed. So here we are, all these years after the the I guess the boom of 
of gangster rap. So clearly we had gangster rap in the 80s in the form of NWA. You mentioned, you know, PSK with Schooly D. And, um, you know, there were other artists that kind of had that gangster vibe. But the, the, the 90s kind of gave birth to an era of a gangster mindset of a crime mindset that here we are, you know, all these years later at this point, you know, 20 something years after that boom. And it seems like it's continued to dominate. And, and, and obviously when the arsonists were making those albums, they, you guys came from the hood. You guys came from an area that was dangerous but that wasn't necessarily that crime culture wasn't necessarily in your music. Nah, bro. It it definitely wasn't. It wasn't. And that was that was, you know, I'm not going to say like we knew what we were doing, but strategically we knew that we were not we were not messing with that energy. We we knew this was a way to escape. Indeed. That's how we felt. We felt the music culture was the way to escape being messed with by cops, being shot at, mm-hmm. getting into stuff ourselves that we're not too proud about. Mm-hmm. Um, but we knew that music was going to be that. So we weren't going to make, we weren't going to be like, uh, if we hate it so much, we're not going to sell it. Indeed. You know, if, if, that philosophy. So, you know, a lot of people did well um, mm-hmm. by doing that. And it became also when we started having villains like mm-hmm. Suge Knight, you know, mm-hmm. you know, he was a villain to, to, to a lot of uh, people in the hip hop community. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we started looking at a lot of these people as threats and, and the bullies weren't good for the culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, because there's some artists who, Shit, there was some dope ass artists who were mm-hmm. doing their thing that they weren't trying to kill nobody. Mm-hmm. They were just dope. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But um, you know, people fear. Fear is a dangerous thing, bro, and that's what you that's what they were doing. They were selling fear. This game industry was built on on shady shit, you know, and street shit. So don't be surprised if it's going to come out on record and then shine in the 90s and people fear it. Indeed, no question about that, and and that was kind of a a, a great little um, I don't know peering into what labels are. Labels essentially are businesses, businesses and business exploit. So you know, you know, even though it, it's it's something we do, we blame labels, but at the end of the day, it isn't their fault. It's it's people's fault. It's what they gravitate to. So then the question is, when it comes to hip hop. As a sound, as a vibe, I, I, I the culture part is is a weird one because I know what hip hop culture is. I wonder if most people that are quote unquote making hip hop even know what hip hop culture is about or where it came from. But my question to you, as at this point a hip hop elder, and I'm sure I'm older than you, but where does it end or does it not end? It seems like crime continues to be the prevalent theme. In so yeah. much hip hop of every you know flavor now YouTube SoundCloud rappers you know it's just so much crime and right. we know it didn't come from that we knew that it was an escape from that so my question to you is do you think that there's an end or you think that's that's it that's where we All are right, so and, yeah 
So, yes. So the, 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 the fact is, unfortunately, crime, racism, there's just some things that are just going to be here. And um, a lot of us were raised in it. And the, the music came from it, specifically hip hop and rap music. Mm-hmm. And um, though there was a vibe that was created when Cool Herc was in the parks and Bambada and Jazzy, Jazzy J and all of them were doing park jams. There was a love in, to it. The truth is, is that be careful because some house party might get shot up. No question. You know what I mean? Bro, it's not like it was. Mm-hmm. If I tell you the reason why a lot of things are kind of out of hand with drug culture mm-hmm. more than crime culture in mm-hmm. the, the the very popular uh, music that 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 exists called rap mm-hmm. um it's only because a lot of those kids weren't getting punched in the face like a lot from our generation mm-hmm. you know what i mean so um yes crime will always crime will always be here as far as now in music i think I think there's a lot of drugs in music, mm-hmm. um, which back then, our the people we listen to sold drugs. Now these guys do drugs. Indeed, indeed. I mean, crime and crime and drugs were always there. The music was an escape route from that. And today, a lot of what we see and hear in the music is the crime and the drugs, as opposed to the escape. In many ways, it's an entry point into that for a lot of young people, unfortunately. Right. Because the music is the soundtrack to the streets. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, these people are listening to the music more than they're listening to their parents. That's Mm -hmm. if they even have uh, parents in some Mm -hmm. scenarios, Mm -hmm. Um, especially especially in the culture and the streets where this music came up from. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the crazy thing now is that um, a lot of the individuals who are doing well in this business, you know, you know, that me and you are not fans of, Mm -hmm. they were co-signed by guys who were doing it in the nineties. Right. And that's how they got into the door. Right. Because somebody who was from the Mm nineties or a different era walked these kids in and said, this kid's hot. Mm -hmm. So they were introduced through fear. And then this kid had kind of like, you know, he was in the hands of these real quote unquote dudes Mm -hmm. And then it becomes what it is now. You know, I'm I'm very careful not to mention names. Yeah, of not course. Not because I care to have beef. Mm-hmm. I really don't care to, for any of that. My whole point is if, if we say names, we keep it alive. Indeed. We just have to learn our, our social media habits to share what we love. Mm-hmm. Speak about what we love. If we don't like it, don't acknowledge it. Who cares who's wearing a skirt? Who cares who called Nas whack? Mm-hmm. Just share what you love. So, so let's talk a little bit about the, the, the where you are now. The arsonist, obviously, and correct me if I'm wrong, you, you guys aren't necessarily together, but you have a, a, a collection of music that you've released that was previously unreleased and obviously bundled with your first debut album. Is that right? That's one hundred percent correct. What was what 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 occurred is we're all we all communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, evolution happens, and we you know dudes move on to to different uh, things that they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of us, you know, we were all brought together by hip hop, and some of us because of our neighborhoods. 
you know, it just sucked like that. So right. you needed an escape. Um, but yeah, all this music, I think the one thing I could say about the arsonist that as the world burns album, it's a vibe, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like the far side vibe, mm-hmm. um, where it was created having a good time. And, um, I don't mean to sound whack, but you know, none of us, none of us smoked. We didn't get, we didn't drink, you know, we were just pure six in the morning arguing about J. the Damages third verse on a song. You know what I mean? We were hip hop kids and right. we, we were continuously doing that on tour. Where right. We'll stay up the next day just arguing about fucking Wu-Tang or some, you know, just that's just what 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 drived us. Mm-hmm. And um you know, so you know, to this to this day, you know, the peak of our career arsonist is that I was able to travel the world with my friends Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, yeah, all this music was there and it was like, uh, what are we going to do with it? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I moved on to, to doing stuff for the NBA and the NFL and, and all this other stuff. And, and Q unique went on to do, um, you know, some, some rock stuff that he's still working on right now. And, and um, the individuals, you know, either moved on beyond music and just did their own thing. But mm-hmm. the music unites us and it only it, it doesn't only unite us five members. It unites us with a scene, mm-hmm. with a culture, mm-hmm. vinyl buyers, mm-hmm. people who, who know how to look at grooves and mm-hmm. be like, this is where the break is. Like mm-hmm. that was important to to to, to me. Right. You where, know, where you, you drop the needle. Exactly. You, 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 you I, like fans of the arsonists were not I, like I could tell you if a, right now I go to do these events, bro, I do some crazy ass events that are like very high, uh, you know, very, very high volume. Mm-hmm. And then somebody will be like, yo, are you destroyed from the arsonist? And it's the craziest thing because mm-hmm. I'm like literally standing next to Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. And somebody's going to ask me that. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I know that person's no bullshit. Right. You know what I mean? I know that person has a strong foundation in music. Mm-hmm. I know I will have more fun talking to that person right. than talking right. to Drew Brees. Right, right. <laughs> You know what I mean? Indeed. So so let so let's talk a little bit about about the music. So I, I was um listening to some of the tracks and, and it was funny because I didn't know uh you know exactly what the album was yet. And I was listening to Peace and you know my first thought was I thought it was it was like brand new. It's brand new to me, but I thought it was like newly made and when I heard it I was like, "Wow, like what happened?" to that sound in hip hop like it really did have that classic 90s late 90s vibe and then afterwards you know I kind of read up and and learned a little bit about the release and found out that they were kind of like the lost tracks if you will or unreleased tracks so yeah. talk to me a little bit about the aesthetics what what you feel the the new album uh is 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 going to do to hip hop heads and and what are you looking to do with getting the album out well the tr- well you know the the thing is it was all to complement as the world burns our debut album right the second the second component the second cd lost in the fire um tracks 7 through 16 are songs that were rare um unreleased 
and uh, remixes that you know never saw the light of day. Mm-hmm. Uh, tracks one through five are you could say newer songs, you know. And the reason why we did that initially was if people who always said what's up with the arsonist gravitated to it and they talked about it and they they um you know let it fester a little bit and and have those conversations we used to have about music and people showed interest then it would only work in reality for us to say why don't we make more new songs mm-hmm. you know what i mean because there is a a, a slew of humans who would love this sound that we think nobody's into mm-hmm. uh, anymore, but they are there. There are people who have been, um, you know, sending me DMs about, um, you know, the songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, tough guy, um, ugly, and peace that that you mentioned, and um, really, it's all about it's all about the fans. Obviously, how it always was was, um, you know, if they respond to it then we will have to respond in a way where more will come. Nice. You know, you know, so that's what we are uh, just looking at. And, and we put it out there so that, you know, people could could enjoy it. I mean, you know, there, there's still more uh, songs in, in that that flavor, that new mm-hmm. kind of what you, you know, say represents that that 90s flavor mm-hmm. uh, that we have recorded that hasn't been released Um you know, but that's once again uh, on a later on a later note. Some pyrobots uh, stuff, but mm-hmm. as of right now, we're focusing on um, you know letting see what the if the fans respond to this, bro. This isn't this is I'm 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 out here interviewing. I I interview on the other end. I'm on the other side of it, mm-hmm. and I see a lot of these artists and. Um, it's all about foundation, bro. Mm-hmm. I, I I believe at least, you know what I mean, and having 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 a foundation, and and I just hope that the people respond to it. I hope I hope they not only understand or love the music, but they they embrace the philosophy of just you know trying to trying to do this shit that we grew up on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? All of us, indeed. Authentic. It's authentic hip hop. That's the best way uh, I think to describe it. And, and kind of going full circle to what we were talking about at the start, it's released by a European label, right? Correct. And the reason why it's released by a European label is because I seen that they did something with the artifacts and Master Ace. Nice. Very nice. And I was like, you know what? I respect those two artists. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, you know, not only I respect them, I'm fans of them. Mm-hmm. So it kind of seems like this below system label um, their heart is in the right place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's rare to find in this game. Right. You know, there's, there's people who are churning stuff out, which mm-hmm. is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's people who want to kind of like, um, you know, they care about the bigger picture of the culture because their heart is still bleeding. Hip hop is still running through their veins. And nice. that's what I feel about um, Below System when they approached in regard to this As the World Burns. Very nice, very nice. And and speaking of hip hop, man, hip hop has opened 
doors for you and obviously you're you're a talented artist you're a t- you're you're a great personality you have a great personality but you've done a lot of things that aren't necessarily hip-hop related and and, and i think in, in many ways hip-hop opened that door feel free to correct me if i'm wrong posting a radio show on sirius xm and you've done uh modeling you've done voiceover work for video games you've hosted all kinds of stuff for brands major brands talk to me a little bit about that side of your world that side of my world keeps me happy. You know, that that side of my world is great because I know that I'm very good at it. You know, I'm one of the top one of the top hosts for the for the NBA for the last 12 years. Um, I've done countless tours with with that league. Um, I've done my fifth Super Bowl uh, this year nice. uh, that just passed. Um, I'm also uh, working at Yankee Stadium with Major League Soccer, their, their uh, soccer team. Um, I'm on Sirius XM with Static Selector. Um, I did I, I did two two films, two short films um, that I co-wrote as well. I got a scholarship from uh, Amy Poehler to write sketch comedy. Um, I've done a lot of a lot of cool things, you know, uh, because I knew that I loved this. And it, and and what happened was I was interviewing an artist. And um, this artist was a very successful one. Mm-hmm. And I kind of made jokes. I, I, I made fun of her over her head, you know, that went right. over her head. And her manager called me out the room and he asked me if uh, if I could go on tour with her to be her kind of buffer. Like if people try to make fun of her because mm. they noticed that, that it was happening a lot. Mm. And um, this girl turned out to be a very big artist, mm-hmm. and you know, to this day, she 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 thanks for being her. She thanks me for being her mouthpiece because mm-hmm. she was young, mm-hmm. and uh, she was you know she was young. She was just coming up, and mm-hmm. and um, you know, she was the kind of a a very very important for me making that transition. I've 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 toured you know I've I've hosted tours with. Uh, the Roots, uh, Eminem, Busta Rhymes, Tribe Called Quest. I've done, you know, I did that just on more the personality thing, not mm-hmm. even like as a rapper. Right. So, right. and I also got to give a shout to the executioners because mm-hmm. I was, after the arsonist uh, happened, I went with the executioners and they brought me on tour. Mm-hmm. And that was beautiful because mm-hmm. I respect the executioners. They're, they're dope as hell. You know what I mean? It just, bit by bit, man, things started happening outside of, outside of being a rapper but it was also i also knew there was also a mood around around rappers mm-hmm. that i didn't like that i didn't like mm-hmm. like oh he's a rapper mm-hmm. you know kind of like a either a dangerous one and then now it almost becomes like a he's a rapper like mm-hmm. who's a rapper anymore you know mm-hmm. kinda, now it's kind of like that but i knew early or i felt early on by being told by so many people that I was more than just a rapper. And they were bringing, like, it was turning into work. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it was turning, like, people who were almost embracing me mm-hmm. with the arsonist because they weren't really sure what that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started doing the destroy personality thing, they were like, come over here. We got something for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know. 
and all I, these I, years later, that's been my main source of of income. You nice, know what I mean? Nice, yeah, very doing, nice. Doing that sort of sort of stuff. Very nice, and I like that because uh, a while ago you mentioned the word caricature, and and there is definitely a caricature of a rapper, and you bring a multiple dimensions to that. You could still obviously rep the culture, but at the same time, not be that caricature. So I like that. And that's that's definitely impressive. And I'm sure why it led to so many opportunities. I mean, a lot of varieties. So um, the MTV icon uh, series, talk to me a little bit yeah. about that. <laughs> so uh, the executioners was going to perform, perform for MTV icons, Aerosmith. Uh-huh. And uh, it was an opportunity for them to do to do. Uh, a routine using Aerosmith's records. Right. And what I was, it's because it's funny to me because I was the performance coach. Uh-huh. So like, you know, DJing is, is DJing. Uh-huh. Rock Raider, I, you know, you looked at that dude, you know, may he rest in peace. Mm-hmm. He has such a swag, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, to mm-hmm. him. And so did Rob Swift and, and mm-hmm. totally. But I was more like, you know, when you were scratch, yo, look up. Point to the camera, you know, like real um, kind of TV show type stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, the real interesting piece is that a lot of people counted on me to talk to these artists a certain way because I understood performance. Mm-hmm. I understood, you know, char- uh, character, how mm-hmm. things work on camera. Right. Uh, you know, when we did the X Games, I was telling the exhibit. Um, when to come in on beat, and it was a trip because people were like, "That's fucking exhibit, bro." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, I, 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 you know, this guy had already had his success, and I'm over here telling him when to come on beat. Um, but it was all for the for the show, right? You know what I mean? And I didn't have a big role in any of these things. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't a director, right? In any of this, I was just part of it. There you, you go. Know what I mean? But I knew, I knew I couldn't just. I knew that I was. Uh, it was too important because I watched Michael Jackson when I was a kid. Right. I watched performers, and I want, I want hip hop to be as dope. Why can't we? Why, why we have to just walk left and right, holding mm-hmm. a bottle or lighting a blunt or holding our jocks? Mm-hmm. We could be more visually entertaining, and that's why you know I salute, um, you know, Busta Rhymes, who mm-hmm. who's very animated on stage and. And I and that's why the arsonist reputation as a live show was something that a lot of people admired because we cared about that. Mm-hmm. Indeed, it wasn't just uh, fifty people standing on stage. <laughs> there was some action, you know. It was something to look at. And- yeah, everybody, everybody had a role, and I was a very, I was a very, uh, the arsonist could tell you, I was a very, I, I, I didn't, I didn't play. Yeah, yeah, I was I was very serious about like us being taking it serious. Indeed, no question about that. Talk to me a little bit about Twenty Four. So you had music uh, that you made on the program Twenty Four. Yeah, the TV show with Keith Sutherland. Um, what happened was that Matador's mechanism was so great they had somebody who just dealt with TV and film. Mm. And uh, what happens is that they they contacted us and. They were like, hey, you want to do music uh, for the show? And at that time, I had already left The Arsonist. Right. But I was still signed to the label because they had a first writer refusal because mm-hmm. uh, Raucus wanted to sign me as a solo artist. Mm-hmm. And um, 
but that was an attraction that was great like you know it it was such it was a successful show so you know they would play my music in the show you know i would i would benefit from it because it keeps it it, it felt like okay things the wheels are still turning you know things are still happening and then indeed i go on the road with um with anger management tour which is the mm-hmm. Eminem and Ludacris tour mm-hmm. that's, that's that's amazing and and talk to me a little bit about some of the work you've done with brands like Nike and Red Bull, Vitamin Water, a lot of big, you know, household name brands. Yeah, well, uh, what happened is uh, one of the designers of Ruckus, because as I told you, Ruckus wanted to sign me. Um, those guys became my friends. Mm-hmm. And then they went on to design Vitamin Water. And then there was an opportunity to that Kelly Clarkson was endorsing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> she was endorsing vitamin water. Mm-hmm. I laugh because it's Kelly Clarkson and right. the guy from the arsonist. You know what I right, mean? Right, like right, right. Who would think? So, um, you know, what ends up happening is that they, they were like, hey, she has a tour. You want to go on tour as the host of the tour? And, bro, I've I've done, you know what J-Date is? is J-Date yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's where Jewish people mm-hmm. go to date. I hosted a J-Date event in wow. Vegas. Wow. And it's it's just funny cuz you know, that's not my my you know, my my view, but right. I do I I know I'm fortunate to be good at what I do and have some great companies who are interested in having me along. I did American Idol the first year, um not as a contestant, as the tour host. Right. Um you know, and it's just it's just a trip because mm-hmm. it's it, it it'll continue on. So Red Bull uh, Rebel was doing a lot of events in New York City. They brought me on as a host to do all their events, and then they they had a soccer. They have a soccer team, and they had me host the soccer team's games. And then I got pulled from another soccer team owned by the Yankees uh, here in New York City that play in Yankee Stadium. And uh, it's evolution, bro. You know, and you also got to stay at it. You know, I I, I keep my. My, you know, I keep smiling. I try to be as positive as I can, you know, and uh, try not to be bitter like some of the seniors. Mm-hmm. And and you know, just be fortunate that a lot of a lot of these uh, brands uh, work with me. They like my work. That's phenomenal, man. I want to thank you so much for your time. I think that. Uh it's an amazing story, man. Hip-hop has opened a lot of doors, and you've become an amazing, positive ambassador for a genre that I don't think a lot of people understand, and you're out there representing us, and I appreciate that. So I want to thank you, man, for everything that you've done and wish you much continued success. Thank you, brother. I greatly appreciate it, and uh, I hope much success in everything you're passionate about and you're committed to as well. I'm I just uh, happy that, that, that you're doing this and, and, and appreciate you giving me a call. In the platform. No question, man. Take care of yourself, man. Success, brother. All right, man. Peace.